0: Good afternoon church wow that's a lot uh, it's amazing to be with you here even today after a wonderful week of sun how good was the sun this week finally i can say that the sun starts to work even in uk but uh, apparently it works very little just part-time just one week and then it goes off but it's great to be with you and yeah, the, the chapter that uh, just David read just a couple of times ago um, is fantastic, and it's a very interesting passage. And It starts with an interesting sentence. It says, In those days the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. You know, the book of Samuel tells us the story of um, this man, Samuel, that at the moment was a boy, and is set at the very end of the book of Judges, in fact, Samuel himself is called us the last judge of Israel, the last leader of israel and probably this period of in history for Israel is probably the darkest period you know awful things were going on and the word usually that is used to describe the situation how israel was behaving it is called canonization, which means that Israel was just becoming more and more like the people that were living in the land of Canaan and the problem is that God said to them do not mix with them but actually what Israel was doing was to take on their costume, not only sociological speaking, so marrying their daughters or their sons, but also from a religious point of view they were starting to sacrifice, offering to other gods and so on and so forth and I was asking myself, was the God's word rare, or probably was Israel dull to listen? Because I, you know, I was reading, and the image that I had while I was reading is like when my mom calls me to do something, but to not listen to her. I just turn up the volume of the TV or the music on, so I don't listen to him. And so I think it was the same with Israel. Little by little, Israel was turning on the volume, of the things that they like to do, which is to do just be the canaanites, and they turn off, they were making their ears do to the voice of God, and the consequence of this is just just like Ash was saying last week, there has been a loss of meaning even in the in the things that belong to God. See, for example, even the service in the tabernacle was becoming. more more and more meaningless than what he was supposed to be. And uh, Samuel himself, for example, Samuel, he was serving in the tabernacle, but the Bible says he did not know the Lord yet. He was serving the Israelite God, but did not know him. But in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this darkness, there is an image that the narrator of this story wants to tell us. And the image that he says is this, the Ark of the Covenant was there. And this affirmation is not just beautiful just because, for the sake of information, just for the sake of, you know, by the way, there was this symbol very dear to Israel in the tabernacle. I think this affirmation is wonderful because it means that God was still there. That God was still in his dwelling place. So now we can may argue if was God not speaking to Israel, or if was Israel not listening to God. But I think even if they were not listening to God, it was not because they don't want to. Probably they reached the point, by turning up the volume of what they liked, they reached the point in which God's voice Became just a noise in the midst of other noises. God's voice became one of the many voices that were, that were surrounding Israel, and they were not able, Israel was not able to distinguish anymore God's voice from the other voices. God called three times Samuel before. Like just before he, not even himself, Samuel himself, but he called Samuel three times before Eli, the high priest at that moment, realized that God was calling. And probably it was because Samuel did not know God. And Samuel probably was confusing God's voice with other voices. He was confusing God's voice with a voice that was familiar to him. And it's very likely that Samuel (laughs) probably was even used to be called in the middle of the night by Eli. As he just stood up and ran. The Bible says he ran. And I think that was not pleasing for for Eli. You know, that someone just, hey, did you call me? (laughs) I don't think that was nice for him. And so I want to ask you today, among which other voices... God is calling you. Among which other voices, God's voice has to speak through to reach to you. Because see, I think who do you think you are is inevitably shaped by what others say who you are. What are the others? The others could be, I don't know, other people, circumstances that you are living in social standards, these can be all the other's voices that, can, that God has speak through to reach to you. But there is the beauty in this passage, and the beauty of this is that among all these voices that says to you who you are supposed to be, God's voice says who you really are. And if that is not enough, that God says who you really are, God does not speak only once. He called Samuel for four times, three times before Eli understood who was calling, and another one time when Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so we see that the shift of the story now is on the hands of Eli. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with with those movies that uh, usually there is this group of people and they have to walk through the jungle to find the treasures, uh, using a map. And so they walk miles and miles and miles, and they face many trials and many dangerous animals, and they arrived at the X point on the map. They look around and say, there's nothing here. There's nothing here. And then there is the famous question that of the clever guy that says, are you sure we followed the right path? And then this guy takes the map on his hands, turns upside down and shows the others that they followed just on the way back, like they went upside down. I think the role of Eli is like the role of that clever guy that says, are you sure you followed the right path? The role of Eli in this story is to point Samuel to God. And this is a wonderful image of a person pointing another person to God. And I think that Eli was even hopeful when he said to Samuel, you know, if he calls you again, says this, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I think that Samuel was even quite skeptical at that moment because we read that Samuel did not say, speak, Lord, but he only says, speak, for your servant is listening. Probably he was a bit skeptical. He probably did not think that God, the God of Israel, the Lord that he did not know, could speak. But you know, there is the beauty in what Eli says, in what Eli does, because Eli could, uh, could be envy. He could be envy because he was the high priest. He was supposed to be called by God. And yet, and yet he, said, he, he did not, he was not envy. He said to Samuel, you say this. He pointed Samuel <laughs> with full of love, I think, and even full of hope. I, pro- I probably think that Eli himself was thinking that God was not able to speak anymore in that sort of darkness in which Israel was in. And the way Eli pointed Samuel to God reminds me of a psalm that many years later King David wrote. And this psalm says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I feel like Eli was saying to Samuel, you know, if he calls you again, try to do this. Taste and see. Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And I want to do a spoiler alert for those who are not familiar with the with the story, so, but I cannot keep it. But Samuel, many years later, he is the guy that appointed David as a king. Spoiler alert, sorry about that. <laughs> but see, the simple act of guidance and kindness changed not only Samuel's life, but yet consequences. This act that Eli did, that consequences for the salvation, the history of salvation, sorry. Once Samuel followed Eli's suggestion, his life changed, because his identity changed. And so, once Samuel was able to distinguish God's voice, in the middle of other voices, and once Samuel followed Eli's suggestions, then we see that God has a powerful message for him. What was about to happen at that moment as a huge, massive impact for Samuel and for the community of Israel as well. How many of you use alarms to wake up in the morning? Oh, many of you. Oh, big hands, (laughs) a big number of hands are sending up. But actually, there is nothing worse, I think, there is nothing worse than the Monday morning alarm, isn't it? Mamma mia, mia. I can't believe it. Like, the Monday morning alarm is the worst alarm ever. Just because, you know, it's the weekend, whether it is a weekend of holiday or it's just a normal weekend where you are off from work. You go to the bed and you are very rest and you say, oh, thankfully, another week is gone and I feel rest. And then in in the best moment of your sleep, there you go, the alarm goes off and... It sounds in your ears, and it keeps sounding even after 10 minutes you wake up. And I learned something about this. What I learned is that you don't ever, ever use your favorite song as alarm. Because you think that that your favorite song will help you to start the day in the best way, lovey-dovey, oh, it's a great day, but actually, probably that will be one day, or just on the Monday. By the end of the Tuesday, you will end up by hating that song. And it's, it's funny because when, when, once you put that song as an alarm, even when you hear that accidentally while you're walking to the shopping mall, or even when you're on holiday, all your life passes through before your eyes, and you remember that you have to go to work probably the day after. And I want to say that the impact that the message of God Had for Samuel was the same of the Monday morning alarm. God said, "I want to. I am about to to do something that make every ear who listen to tingle." You know, but I think it's even acceptable what God God was doing. God needs needed a powerful and a loud message to speak through all the noises that Israel was surrounded by. You know, it was so powerful, it was so meaningful, this message that God had, a vision probably, that God gave to Samuel that he was afraid to tell Eli. Yeah, I think it's powerful, is, is a massive impact on the life of Israel himself, on the life of Eli. But I think it was necessary to show the, the thickness of the darkness in which Israel was living in. But you know, even if the message was negative for Eli, I don't think Eli is the body bud, the of the story. I think that he just failed To give the right priorities to things. He found, I think Eli found himself being a spiritual leader of a nation in the in the probably in the moment of Israel in which Israel himself itself forsook God in the moment of the deepest darkness of Israel. And therefore, Eli himself, instead of finding his identity. In who he was, for God, he found his identity of being the father of Ophni and Phineas, While for God, he was supposed to be the, father, the spiritual father of the nation of Israel. And so I think that Eli only failed to prioritize his identity. But I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Like Paul was saying, um, in Italy, the identity of the family, where I come from, is very, very strong. So I don't blame him. And I'm sure that everyone in this room, and probably even at home, would struggle to put something, anything, before the family. But the truth is that when we prioritize our identity in God we will not be able to provide for our family from a, human, yeah, from a human point of view. But we will be able to provide for them and care for them, even in a spiritual way. And this is what God wanted from Eli. And it looks like that Samuel became the son of Eli, because Eli said to, uh, to Samuel, tell me, my son, what did he say to you? While Eli was supposed to rebuke Ophni and Phineas, but he didn't, because probably they were too dear to them to him. And after Samuel told Eli what was going on, what the vision saw, what the vision was, the story jumps forward in time very, very quickly, and tells us that Samuel became a prophet and that all the nation acknowledged him as a prophet. So we pass from the verse 26 in chapter 2 that says that Samuel as a boy was growing up in stature and in favor before God to verse 19 in chapter 3 that says the Lord was with Samuel and he let none of these words fall to the ground. Everyone testified and recognized him as a prophet. And so Samuel ironically, moved from not knowing the voice of God to become the voice of God on earth. Samuel became the man, the person, that God used to speak to his nation. Samuel became the guy that had the uh, task to deliver tingly messages to the people of Israel. He became the spiritual guide of Israel. He became the spiritual father of Israel. He became one of the central points of salvation for us. The salvation path that brings us to Jesus inevitably passes through Samuel. And so, if we see this in this way, if we look at this path in this way, and if we look at the message that God had for Samuel, we see that the message there was supposed to be a harsh message then becomes a very good message. The, me- the tingly message that God had for Samuel was that God himself, in the person of Jesus, come on earth to die and resurrect so that we may have hope and future. And we may have the same relationship that Samuel was able to grow with God through the person of Jesus. Second Corinthians Five seventeen twenty one says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, no counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassador, as though God were making his appeal to us, through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be seen for us, so that in him we may become the righteousness of God. It doesn't matter where you lo- what you look like, what your past looks like. It doesn't matter where do you come from. There is no special requirement to begin the relationship with God. To begin it, or even to continue it, or even to restore it, if that is the case. It is not too late. Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2 says this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. Samuel, also. And many times and in various ways. But in this last day he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. Then what is this tingly message? What is this harsh message that Samuel had? What is this harsh message that Jesus had for us? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And see, when you spend so much time in darkness, as soon as you see a glimpse, a wee spot of light, it could be disturbing. But that light is the only way to show you how darkness, how dark is the place where you are in. And the message that causes every ears to ring, every ears to tingle, is that there is a way out of darkness. You know, I think that this passage in 1 Samuel 3 clearly shows us how, how important it is to point people to God, to Jesus. Not in a forceful way, but in a kind way, with, with gentleness, with kind words, with act of, acts of kindness. In a way that tells to other people, come. Taste and see that the Lord is good. The message of the gospel is tingly because it changes lives. Because it's a history of reconciliation that Samuel had with God. And that we can have with the same God that called Samuel through Jesus. Growing your relationship with God will not only show you who God says who you are but we show the power of the Holy Spirit active in us and they will help you to go through times of hardship, tough moments in your life, but also moments of joy.